You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you want to participate, it's real simple. Call in 608-501-0718. Leave a message, and we'll talk about whatever it is you got going on in that brain of yours. Uh, new callers go right to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers, so let's kick this thing off with Dennis. Hey, sorry about that, Ryan. Any other day? Excuse me? Let's try that again. Dennis? Sorry, Ryan. There Any other go. time, uh, this is Dennis. Any other time, I would have been waiting another 10 minutes for that bus. So when I was thinking about this and the spooky story, and I was thinking about your uh, monster, yeah, um, <clears throat> I was thinking it might be uh, a Bears fan or a Bears fan okay. who are zombies. Yeah, yeah. And instead of brains, they say fields. Yeah. Fields. And they think everybody is fields, right? And... Uh, and they want you to sign their jersey and, and programs and, you know, hats and, and stuff like that. And yes. they'll, just go, they'll just chase chase you forever thinking that you're Justin Fields. That's scary. So, uh, and then the other thing, now that it's idle um, NFL insider season, mm-hmm. and they're just going to keep, you know, sending these rumors back and forth to themselves about, you know, what Rodgers is up to, how many more times before you think there's real hard news one way or the other? How many more times does the trade, uh, retirement, uh, stay, rumor, whatever, between these, you know, several knuckleheads, how many more times do you think this comes out before <laughs> there's something done? All right, bro. Catch you later. Um, well, like I said, I, I think maybe end of February would be around the time that Rodgers would kind of come to his conclusion. And the only reason that I kind of just made that up, but it was the first week of March last year. So I said, man, maybe it's a, a week earlier this year because he's done this before. I don't know. Um, but I think I, was, I said roughly like the 28th or something of, of February might be a reasonable time to expect things to happen. Um, and I think only when Rodgers makes up his mind are we going to start to hear things. Now, since he's done this Pat McAfee thing, they've done a pretty good job of making sure that that is where the new news happens. So it's not like it gets leaked and we hear rumors and all this stuff. And then, you know, then by the time Pat McAfee rolls around, it's like, yeah, dude, we already know Ian Rappaport broke that a long time ago. Rogers keeps his mouth shut and uh, talks to Pat first. And that's kind of the way that that goes. This is a little bit different though. I mean, if he retires, that's maybe the way that they would do it. I mean, I think he would talk to Gutekunst and, and a couple people first, but make sure that it's people that are not going to talk to Ian Rappaport would be my thought. But anyways, um, if he retires, that'll be the case. The, the one interesting caveat here is the trade scenario, and that is he wants to come back, but in, in Rogers has even said this. We want to come back. once. The first step is I need to decide what I want to do, and then if I decide I want to come back, then I have to talk to the Packers and kind of see where we go from there. And I think at that point, Depending on, I mean, maybe it's real quick and easy, like, hey, I'd uh, love to come back for the Packers, and the Packers are like, heck yeah, dude, let's do this, and that's kind of a done deal, and then we'll get the McAfee announcement, I'm coming back for the Green Bay Packers, and all this was a waste of everybody's time, which 
let's be honest, is still probably the most likely scenario. But the weird little caveat here is where if they're not entirely sure and they're not entirely lined up on things, maybe what they decide to do, rather than saying definitively, all right, forget this, let's just trade you. And he's like, good, screw you guys, I want to get out of here. It's kind of a, let's let's just see what other people have to say. We'll find out who's interested and, and you know, at what price. The price is more interesting to the Packers and the, the where is probably more interesting to Rodgers. Um, but let's just let's just table it. We understand you want to be back. You know, I know you'd probably like to stay with the Packers, but maybe not under the certain circumstances. And we'd kind of like to have you, but, you know, again, circumstances. So why don't we just hear some offers? Once the phone calls start getting made, you know, once once uh, done, Rogers' agent starts making calls and, and things like that, that's when you're going to start hearing Ian and, and Schefter and those guys start to talk in more absolutes, saying things uh, more along the lines of... Um, Rodgers has done this, that, or the other, like we've heard in the in the past. I, I have it on very uh, good authority that um, they're they're beginning to listen to offers, and it sounds like this is actually going to happen. Which even that you've got to understand, you got to take that with a grain of salt. We're going to hear things from Schefter and and Ian about you know it seems like things are actually moving in that direction. When really all that means is is the calls are being made, which. You know, obviously that is in a direction, but it could just be we're just listening or we're just curious or we just want to see what's out there. And if we can't come to a conclusion, maybe the next best thing is to come back to Green Bay or maybe the next best thing is Roger says, you know, if you can't find anything for me out there and you're not willing to do for me what I think we need to do to win a Super Bowl this year, which is what I think we need to do, then I'm just going to retire. So my expectation is that we're not going to hear anything for about another month, anything of real substance. Now, I mean, it could be as early as, as tomorrow, for all I know, that, that something big actually happens. But I just, that's my thought on this whole thing. And until that happens, we're going to keep getting these these fake reports in which, and, and again, I, I went through this whole thing last year like a thousand times. It's 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 very simple how these things happen. We treat insiders like they just know everything like they live inside the brains of of people who can see the future or something. Um, and so what will happen is when there's big news and we want to know what's going on, they'll bring Schefter and Rappaport on their show and they'll say, dude, what's going on? What are you hearing? And then they'll just talk. Now, as I'm about to tell you on the podcast tomorrow, do quite a bit of ranting again tomorrow, but um, the irresponsibility of guys like Schefter is at that moment not saying, I haven't officially heard anything but... But the point is they'll they'll just go on and just give their opinion. Like, I don't know, dude. It's like maybe it's like this or that or kind of seems like this. And I talked to a guy and he kind of says it sounds like this or whatever. And then it becomes like, dude, Schefter said, so it's legit. Schefter's just a guy right now. Ian Rappaport is just a guy. They're extremely valuable because of the context that they have, but that doesn't mean that they they can make pick up the phone and get any answer that they want any single time that they want. They can't. He cannot call Brian Gutekunst and demand an answer. If Roger says he wants to come back, are you going to trade him? If Roger says like what, who have you taught? He's not going to answer him. He's not going to. I doubt he's even going to pick up the phone for Ian Rappaport. So we got to stop pretending that every time they open their mouth, it's on some kind of higher authority. Because believe me, when it is, they're going to tell us, and they have not told us. They have explicitly said, I think, what makes sense to me, et cetera, et cetera. So let's, let's at least give it a month before we start to get a little antsy and, and uh, want, you know, tapping our foot with the, you know, come on, let's go. Let's get some answers here. 
Hey, Ryan, this is Jake in uh, Snubbin, Michigan. Hey. Um, yeah, I've been seeing a couple mock drafts where Packers are you know, drafting a quarterback. Yeah. Um, at what point do you think Green Bay would actually, you know, think about doing that if, say, uh, CJ Stroud, Will Levis started to slide? Um, granted, you know, there's a ton of, uh, you know, contingents that have to, uh, play as far as like Rogers contract. If you can go anywhere, what's going on bluff. But I'm just kind of, just curious, see what you think. Like what happens if say, CJ Stroud falls to nine, 10, do you think they would be active to maybe try to go after him? I don't know. Just spitballing. It's draft season. It's my favorite time of year because I am a nerd. So, all right, well, go pack, go. You have a good one, though. Bye. Yeah, well, so there's kind of two sides of that. One, I think for the sake of, you know, the, the conversation, we'll just assume that the Packers like C.J. Stroud and they like uh, whoever it is, Levis, or whoever it is that falls. Because that's that's part of the equation, too, is we're, we just have to assume that these guys who are seen as top five prospects our top five prospects, and the Packers agree. So let's just assume that's the case. These are these are top-tier, ready-to-go, dominant, elite quarterbacks with high upside and, and you know, high floors and all that stuff. If they were to fall to the Packers, I, I think, first of all, even in a scenario where it seems unlikely, like we really don't need a quarterback, I think the Packers would be very, very tempted, if not forced, into drafting a quarterback. I know a lot of people don't like that, but best player in the draft, most valuable position. I mean, unless you are a team that just drafted Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, whatever, even if you thought you were like five years out with Rodgers, you got to you gotta take a swing on something like that. Now, given the Packers are in the situation they're in, there's no reason you wouldn't, even if you like Jordan Love. So what? You draft them. What's the worst thing that could happen? Oh, shoot, it turns out they're both studs. Now what do we do? Oh, darn, I guess we got to trade one for like 17 first-round picks. What if one's good and one's bad? Well, that's perfect. <laughs> then, you know, we took two swings in the first round and got a, a, a starting quarterback. Considering you pretty much, well, I guess we're kind of learning with some teams you can, but it's hard to be a successful franchise without a quarterback. I'm more than willing to take a couple swings in the first round to make sure we got that figured out. If none of them pan out, well, you know, then your evaluation sucks, but your process is right. In other words, you were right to draft that guy, or you were right to draft a quarterback. You were just wrong about the talent of that guy. But again, we're assuming for the sake of argument that there's no issues with with this person as a prospect. Now, that's just things generally, um, not even necessarily looking at our specific situation, which, of course, we don't even know what our situation is necessarily. But I don't think there's any scenario in which it would be a terrible idea. Though the, the only really bad scenario is, I guess... Rodgers does want to come back for at least one year, maybe more, but Jordan Love also really wants to stay. There's no discontent. There's no thought of trade. He's like, no, dude, I'm just going to wait it out for as long as it takes. If that's five years, I'll be here waiting, just ready to rock and roll. In that case, it's kind of like, well, I mean, I guess there's no rush because, you know, Jordan Love's still young and I don't don't know. But even then, it's do you want Jordan Love to be that guy because we got to pay him a ton of money? Um but more than likely, if Rodgers comes back, I think you have to worry about Jordan Love possibly not being here. Remember, the draft is very soon after um, Aaron Rodgers decides to come back. We're talking within a matter of a couple months. So it's not like we've already got this thing with Jordan Love figured out. He's, he's, he's 
Who knows what's going to happen after the draft? You don't want to not draft a quarterback, and then afterward, Jordan Love's like, I want out of here. I want to go to a team that actually wants me. Well, now we got Rodgers for a year. We have nobody else. So I think that would be the biggest reason. And if Rodgers doesn't come back, there's still going to be some temptation um, as, as far as security. Now, if we were not talking about that scenario and talking late first round and a quarterback that we're kind of iffy on in the draft, then maybe you wouldn't do that because we already have love and it's kind of this weird situation. But again, if we're talking about this top tier, you know, I don't want to say can't miss because that's not a thing, but this top tier prospect, I, I personally think the Packers would take a swing and I think that's probably the right thing to do. And I think most people would disagree and say that's ridiculous. You need to build around love and make it work. But let's get the quarterback situation figured out and, you know, make sure that at the end of this year, we know that we have a quarterback that's ready to be the star for the Green Bay Packers. The other one we trade, we recoup some of that value, and then we invest in whoever quarterback wins this little battle royale. It's a, it's a weird, ugly kind of situation, no matter how you slice it, but I think that's the way you handle it. Assuming you really like, let's just say, C.J. Stroud, and he were to fall all the way to 15, and you're like, you guys are nuts, he's a top-five pick, he is a dominant football player, he's going to be a star— there's no reason in the world you don't draft them. Hey, Pack Daddy. It's Nate. Wanted to call hey. in because I had just uh, saw something on a, on a podcast. Um, some oh. crazy stats that I think are pretty interesting. Uh, this is assuming that Aaron Rodgers just played his last game in Green Bay, um, whether he retires or go to, goes to another team. Okay. Um, so his, uh, his last game, he threw uh, – he was – Last six passes were two for six for 12 yards, and he ended it with a game-losing interception. Yeah. Brett Favre, same thing, two for six, 12 yards, game-losing interception. On top of that, this this is kind of the crazy part. I mean, I know it's uh, it's just random chance and it's just coincidence, but the uh, the win when Favre was playing his last game at Lambeau was 12 miles an hour. The game that Rodgers just played, if it was his last game in Lambeau, the wind was four miles an hour. And on top of that, Mason Crosby was the kicker for both teams. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of just coincidence, but That's I thought true. it was pretty interesting. Um, and then uh, just a couple <laughs> other thoughts so that I don't have to call back again. Yeah. Uh, one, I'm jealous of the 49ers. I really wish we could be them. I think that's why I hate them so much. Fair. They have the team that I want um, with the elite defense, great run game, great offensive line, and cheap quarterback. Um, that's who I really wish we had. Um, it's sad. Also, uh, go Bengals. Uh, they they beat the Bills. They're legit, and I actually hope that they go on to win the whole thing because I really like Joe Burrow. Um, he reminds me of a – uh, an earlier Aaron Rodgers before he was a, a bag of d- um, you know, when he was still tolerable. So, go Bengals. Almost didn't have to edit your call there. Uh, thank you, Nate. You know, you're right. I, I the, the, Aside from the part where the 49ers can't seem to figure out how to win Super Bowls, which nobody wants to call them out for, um, it is very true that that is basically the perfect football team. You know, if you think about it, the most coveted thing that a team could have for the longest time, was to be a team with a superstar quarterback on his rookie deal. Because then you have a basically a perfect, ready-to-go Super Bowl team 
but you don't have to invest a lot of money in quarterbacks, so you can spread that money elsewhere and then just build like his dominant team around an elite quarterback, and it's the perfect thing. The 49ers operate in a very similar way, except they just don't even need that elite quarterback. So they don't have to spend a ton of money on quarterback, but unlike all these other teams, where it's like you got a two-year window before this guy's like, hey, you're going to pay me. I don't care if I'm in my second year, third year, whatever. I want the bag, and then you got to pay the guy, and then there goes that window. The 49ers are just forever in that window because apparently they can just slap whatever garbage uh, quarterback they want on their team and go to the Super Bowl. On top of that, they can slap whatever running back they want behind that offensive line and be a dominant run team and uh, just play really good defense with like three, four, five, however many key defensive pieces. Obviously, it's not 11 elite players. They have several that are just so-so. But yeah, they uh, get a handful of dominant players, including Bosa, and just have an elite defense, uh, have a good offensive line. And um, yeah, you don't have to do it. You don't have to invest. What, what do they need to invest in? What do they need? I mean, you could go get a quarterback, but why bother? Why go out and spend 50 million bucks on a quarterback? I mean, eventually, you know, you get that guy. And I get it. Like, it's obviously going to be better. But you you found the perfect formula, man. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Just go find you uh, your own Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo type of player and just keep rocking it. Eventually, you'll get that Super Bowl. Don't ruin this whole formula by dropping all the money on a quarterback, and then you got to stop spending elsewhere, and it's just a whole thing. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. It is very annoying, and I really don't like them. That is that is the case. And, yeah, I'm, I'm probably rooting for the Bengals. Every every year in the playoffs, it's just kind of who do I hate the least. Um, and it's only the Bengals' second year, and they've got a trash history, so it's kind of like I still am pulling for them. But I think after about the third or fourth year, it's going to be like, all right, you know, screw these guys. Same thing I said with Buffalo. I'm glad they lost. I can't stand the Chiefs. Uh, I want them to lose in just devastating fashion. Um, who else? Uh, definitely don't want the Eagles. I actually don't mind the Eagles themselves, but obviously their fans are scumbags. Um, so I, I think I want the Eagles to win because the 49ers are just disgusting. And then the Bengals. And then we have a uh, unfortunate... Eagles and um, and uh, Bengals Super Bowl, in which hopefully the Bengals win. That's all I can say. That's all I got. Hey, Ryan, Steve Green up in Alaska. How's it going? Good, man. Hope everybody's doing well down oh, there. Oh, yeah. Just uh, figured I'd call in because I was thinking about some stuff, and there's a subject here that's on my mind that I haven't really seen anybody else get into. Um, and that's the fact that we're uh, we're looking at having to get a new kicker. And I know yep. we've kind of been dealing with the kicker thing for a couple of years here. Um, but I, I don't think people are as concerned about it as they should be. You know, if you look at any team, most teams out there, their highest scoring player is their kicker. You know, he gets you three-point field goals. He gets a point ever after every touchdown. And if that guy ain't making those kicks, we're losing games. Um I don't know what we're going to do. I hope we don't play the route of we're just going to try to find somebody floating around there after the draft and undrafted free agency and all that and hope that we get a kicker. Um, because if we don't have Rodgers and our offense loses some firepower, we're going to need to have a kicker. And I think people are overlooking how good Mason Crosby has been and how important he is to this team. Uh, and if you look at it, too, we've had a good run of kickers. You know, Before him, we had Ryan Longwell. I like Chris Jackie before that. So we've had a good run of kickers, just like we've had a good run of quarterbacks, and our offense has scored a lot of points. So 
Um, I don't know who's out there or what you might think about it. If uh, you actually even considered looking at kickers and who's available out there, but I think that's something that we need to look at. Um, thanks for the time, bud. Appreciate you letting us all do this. Take it easy. Bye. Um, I mean, I'm I'm definitely concerned about it, just because. I mean, as I've brought up several times, just the concern of having seen teams struggle with kickers. I mean, we just saw the Dallas Cowboys kicker miss like five out of six extra points, which seems like it's becoming a bigger issue than I remember. It used to be automatic, and now it's just feels like it's a regular, regularly common occurrence to have people miss extra. It's weird. I don't understand it. But even beyond that, the, the missed field goals of the, the Bears and the Vikings, and a lot of other teams have gone through, and how many kickers they're constantly going through. And then they go out and get that big veteran guy, and then he's kind of a He's he's good, but he kind of sucks, but you kind of don't want to let him go, but then you finally get fed up because he goes on a really cold streak, probably at the worst possible time in the playoffs, and you're like, forget this guy, he's out of here, and you get rid of him, and then you bring somebody else in, and you're like, man, I miss that old guy. At least he was kind of good. This guy just sucks. And it's just this downward spiral. Um, But, you know, this isn't... My, my biggest concern in the past was it felt like we were pushing Mason out, and I didn't like that because even in his down stretches, you know, it's still Mason Crosby, and he still, for the most part, would pull through those things and become a very clutch kicker. Um, now it's just kind of end of an era, right? He's probably going to leave on his own terms, and if he doesn't, then the Packers are probably going to move on. And his cap hit is getting relatively high, although I do think kickers probably deserve, you know, like top end, like $5 million bucks. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the best kicker in football for $5 million bucks over, you know, a mediocre running back that we're paying $5 million bucks to. I don't mean us specifically. I'm just saying in general, that's like what it would cost. Probably a subpar running back, if I'm being honest. But it's just one of those things that we're unfortunately going to have to go through. We've we've done it with punter for such a long time, um, just dealing with subpar punters, and you try drafting them, and it doesn't work, and you try trading, and it doesn't work, and you try the undrafted free agents, and this just constant revolving door, and you just can't seem to find them until one day it just clicks. I mean, that's what happened essentially with kick returner. We've been going through that revolving door forever, and all of a sudden this guy walks in, nobody has any expectations, and he's a star, and it's like, oh, dang, all right. I guess I guess we got a kick returner. What the heck, where did that come from? So maybe we get lucky and, and find a kicker right away, but I, I think we are probably just in uh, in tough shape. And no, to answer your question, I haven't really looked into kickers. Um, I haven't really heard anything in terms of, you know, usually there's that one stud kicker that might go in like the fourth or fifth round. There might be that guy. I don't know. I haven't really looked. Just based on the consensus big board, it looks like Jake Moody out of Michigan is um, the highest graded prospect, and it doesn't look like he's going to be sort of a mid-round type of guy. But it's early, and nobody's looking at kickers at this point, so it doesn't really matter what the big board, the consensus board really says at this point. We'll kind of see as we uh, get a little bit deeper into it and more people start looking into it. Because right now, beyond the first, second, maybe third-ish round, nobody really knows what they're doing. People are just making stuff up. Hey, it's Jersey Mike. So, hey. uh, I'm uh, doing some Aaron Rodgers studying. Okay. Um, mainly Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Okay. And um, I, I, I don't know how to say this without uh, offending everybody, like okay. always. Yeah, yeah, no, that's um, fine. We get it, Jersey Mike. Yeah, he He's like the biggest choke artist of all time. And I, I don't know if this is during the regular season, but, I mean, I think – the problem that he had in the postseason, except for that one Super Bowl that we won, um, I think it stems from Aaron Rodgers not being a good quarterback. I, I swear to God, go go back and watch if, if you have time. Go back and watch his playoff games, and 
I, I just I got just got done watching the uh, 2014 NFC Championship game versus the Seahawks, in which we lost. Um, we we had multiple opportunities to win the game. Um, the Seahawks shouldn't have been in it, but uh, Aaron Rodgers um, can't can't complete passes to to wide open receivers. Um, um, and even at the end of the game, there there's a wide open Devontae Adams underneath who possibly could have gained another 10, 15 yards, and Rodgers decides to run with it and chew up a bunch of time off the clock, and then we settle for a field goal, you know, to go into overtime instead of instead of uh you know getting a touchdown there. I just I think that what we're seeing is Rodgers used to win on being able to extend plays in critical moments and was able to will passes in just just pinpoint spots in in epic fashion. The problem is a majority of the time Aaron Rodgers is not a good quarterback when it comes to getting his receivers the ball. I used to think, you know, Rodgers is not a big uh, yardage guy because he's, you know, he's, he's more worried about winning games. I, I think it's that's that's absolutely untrue. I think Rodgers isn't a big yardage guy because he simply can't get the ball to his receivers. And we've seen it throughout the years. And we've always said, oh, you know, a receiver, you know, ran the wrong route or, you know, oh, it's his receiver's fault for dropping on the pass. He had his hand on it. And, and no, that's not true. So I wonder how many how many playoff games have we specifically lost because uh, Rodgers is uh, not good at throwing a football. Um, I, I think that is a hot take that people are going to greatly disappreciate or under, it's, it's going to go unappreciated. No, I get it. But I'm going to go back and watch some more uh, championship games and some more uh, you know playoff games of Aaron Rodgers, and I'm just going to come up with a list of, a list of things that I uh, dislike about him because I'm just on a roll this year. Um, yeah, but, uh, thoughts, go back, go. I'm going to do something I've never done before that smart people do when they have podcasts and TV shows. I'm going to give you, uh, the answer, uh, not really an answer, but my thoughts. I thought I saw this video, Colin Coward put it together and I haven't really commented on it because I feel like there's more nuance that's required for me to kind of dig into because, you know, it's a whole team sport thing and everything else. And there's just, there's, there's. I hadn't fully fleshed my thoughts out on it. It would have taken a lot of brain power that I want to put in. But since you bring it up, I do want to talk about it. And I'm going to play that video on the other side of the break. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Ranch Discipleship Ministry.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so... Picking up where we left off, we had a call from Jersey Mike. Jersey Mike says he's gone back and looked at Aaron Rodgers' most recent big games. 
has not been impressed and, in fact, feels like Rodgers is the problem. It sparked a memory of a video that was posted four days ago by Colin Coward. It's on his uh, YouTube channel thing, whatever, called The Volume. You can go check it for yourself if you want, if you want the full context or whatever. But essentially what he did is he said he and his staff went back and looked at his ten big, his last 10 big games. Now, this is the first area where you can kind of say, okay, well, maybe I would have a different list of, of 10 big games. But the point is they, they went back as a staff and said, what were his last 10 big games? And he'll list what those games are and then give the stats. Here's what he had to say. Very fair. He had five this year. The last, the play-in game with the Lions, Christmas Day at Miami, that Philadelphia game that was a standalone game, uh, the Cowboy game at Lambeau, and I think it was a Sunday night game uh, against the Buffalo Bills. Those were the five big games. Now, he also lost to the Vikings in the opener. You could say the season opener is a big game, but I don't don't really count that as a big game. That would benefit my argument, but I didn't do that. So in those games, he had two wins and three losses. Then we went the previous year. And we counted the big games, the division round Niners game he lost, the Niner game that he won during the regular season and played very well. And there was a Rams game week 12 that was, you know, billed as the big game on TV for Fox that he eventually won. We went to the previous year and the two games that felt big were the NFC championship and that game against Brady down in Tampa. It was the first time they'd met Brady as a buck. And so we went and we built those as the 10 biggest games, eight regular season, two playoff games, and the, the play-in game for Detroit, we think, classifies. So Aaron wants all sorts of concessions. He wants five, four of which are mediocre, offensive players to return. By the way, this, this is kind of where it comes from, is he's saying Rodgers wants all these concessions and he doesn't deserve it. I'm not really interested in that part of the argument because I'm not entirely sure that that's what Rodgers even said. Doesn't matter. Anyways, continuing. Okay. So what am I getting for that? Tom Cruise concessions, Top Gun makes $1.4 billion. LeBron for years concessions, you end up in the finals. Miami made a lot of concessions, got to the finals four straight years. So Aaron wants these concessions. Let's go to his last three years, what we classify as the 10 big games, and here's what you get. He's four and six, 16 touchdowns, seven picks, averages 230 yards. Those are Matt Ryan numbers. Those aren't close to Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert. They're not close. They're not close to the last five good games for Trevor Lawrence. Aaron wants these concessions. He's not delivering championship-level football. So, look, I think that you could probably nitpick this a tad. First of all, 4-6 and six is a team stat, so can not necessarily throw that out. Because, again, remember, Aaron Rodgers all these years has been the guy that has dragged this team through a lot of things, including wins. But you can throw that out. But then he lists the touchdowns, the interceptions, the passing yards per game. And again, you could nitpick what the actual 10 big games were, all these different things. But I do think that that is somewhat fair because you can, first of all, it spans several years, including going back to when he did have Devontae and he did have all these things. And even in his MVP season, you look back and say, MVP season, cool. But even throughout that, 
the big games didn't necessarily go super great. Now, he did list that there were one or two where he did play very well, but overall, it wasn't just a team thing. It was an Aaron Rodgers thing. He specifically did not play very well. And again, we can hem and haw and say, yeah, but, well, Devontae wasn't here this year, and Bakhtiari's been hurt, and blah, 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 blah. Overcome. Overcome. Pat Mahomes is going to play with a high ankle sprain in this game coming up. We, we love to brag about how Rodgers played an entire season with torn this and broken this and all this stuff. But he doesn't have a top three left tackle, and we can't expect him to be even mediocre. we got to pick a lane. And the bottom line is, again, this can be nitpicked a tad, but I don't think you're going to be able to pull me all the way out of, uh, of this in a way in which I can completely disagree. That is to say, show me in big games a quarterback that is playing at an elite level that is being let down by the team around him. And the thing is, we've seen this. I pointed it out. We, we saw it like 2009, and, and there was like one or two other playoff games because, again, I went back and looked at it and said that narrative isn't necessarily correct. Um, a lot of those games where the defense let us down, the offense really didn't do very much anyway, so it's not as though Rodgers was let down. Games in which the offense scored a ton of points and the defense still lost us the game, there were only like two in, in Aaron Rodgers' history in the playoffs. But the point is, we've seen it and we know what it looks like. It's very obvious to me what it looks like when you have an elite quarterback playing that isn't getting the help he needs. That's not what we've seen. So again, I haven't done the work personally to go back and look at it. I'm very tempted to do so. Uh, be interesting to maybe kind of go back and say what, what I think maybe the 10 biggest games are, although that's probably a bigger challenge than just looking at the stats. That would be kind of easier kind of putting that all together. But your call did make me think of that, and I do think it supports what you're saying especially for a guy and a team that is seen as sort of regular season heroes that can't really do anything when they get to the playoffs and go up against the tough teams. I mean, this is what, uh, what's his name, Lombardi's ragging on uh, our head coach saying, well, he can't win in big games. Now, we've already seen that that's true, but uh, it's seen that that's untrue. His record is impeccable against top teams, including top coaches. For example, the 49ers, I think we're like two and one against them the last three times we've seen them, but that the narrative is we just can't seem to beat them. But anyways, there's still a question of the quality of play. And, and let's be honest, even, even as Packer fans, as much as we, um, you know, we, we live through the 13-3 and three seasons and it's like, yeah, we're a real good football team and we've seen Aaron Rodgers play at a high level, if you think about those big games, how many times have you actually felt like the Packers are the best team in football? How many times do you walk out of there or even walk into those games thinking we're going we're gonna to smoke this team? Because I remember 2011. I remember thinking this team, you can't touch this team. I remember seeing an offense that even though the the defense had its struggles, it didn't matter because we were putting up 40. I remember that loss to the Chiefs being the most stunning thing ever because the Chiefs weren't even that good and nobody's stopping this train. And then we lost in the playoffs. Similarly, it was like, you've got to be kidding me. I remember what it was like in, in 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2014, 2016, just having this powerhouse team that you just believe into your core, not just that they're going to beat up on the little guys, but this is a, a team that in a dogfight is going to come out on top, a team that you look forward to those shootouts. I mean, I remember talking about that, like that's what we want. We, we don't want to get into the trenches. We don't want this to be trench warfare, defense, and run the ball. We want to get into these shootouts because we will take anybody down. I don't even trust our team to convert third and threes anymore. So, you know, again, how much of this is Rogers' fault compared to everybody else's, I don't know. But I certainly personally don't have that level of faith that I used to, that, you know, this guy is going to drag us out. No chance. I, I have no faith in, in Rogers or anybody else on this team, to be honest. 
And occasionally Rodgers will do something cool. And occasionally the defense comes up with a big play. But that doesn't reflect my overall feelings on this defense, on this offense, or on Aaron Rodgers. I don't have that level of faith anymore. And again, similar to Colin Coward's point about, he's talking about specifically concessions, but you know, the point is, if you want to be put into this special category, you want to be talked about and revered and treated as, and all these things, all these top tier guys, and I'm saying Rodgers does, but I'm talking about from for ourselves and our general discourse, if I'm expected to talk about him as though he is this guy, then I should expect to find those types of performances and plays and stats and everything else um, in these situations. And, and again, you, you, one of the other things you can nitpick and say, well, big games are, are going to be the tougher games since you would expect lesser stats. Okay, do you really expect to find Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, if you look at their last 10 big games, are going to be this significantly worse than the average? I personally don't, but again, I don't know. If you want to do the homework, you can. Um, I was thinking about it and then just did other stuff, but it's it's sitting there. So anyways, got you some backup there, Jersey Mike. What else you got for me, man? Give me, give me, give me a little more. I need some more Jersey Mike. So, uh, yeah, just to follow up on my my research of Karen Rogers over here. Sure. Um, so, what is it? The uh, Packers versus Falcons NFC Championship game. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. Our defense did not look great. Uh, very high powered Atlanta Falcons offense. Um, and I believe that was when Lafleur was there. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Um, I have to say, to me, it looked like the same problem. Rodgers throwing the ball behind receivers. Guys have to fall on the ground to catch the ball. Can't hand a single guy in stride. Completely misses Devontae Adams uh, on a third down play and throws it to Randall Cobb underneath who can't get the first downage uh, yardage. But Devontae Adams is standing there with his hands like, why didn't you throw me the football? Uh, you know, five or six or three or four yards past the uh, past the sticks. So that killed it. Uh, there's another play in which Jared Cook is wide open and he refuses to throw to him on third down and that kills the drive. Um, I, I just, I'm beyond myself. This, this man, I think I 1000% have put the, the nail on the head. Aaron Rodgers has to win by playing hero ball because if he's not playing hero ball, he does not know how to play within an offensive system. Um, I think, don't, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, Mike McCarthy might not have been the problem. I mean, he goes to Dallas and he puts together a pretty decent team. And it seemed like Mike McCarthy always had guys that could play football for him. I, I mean, our defense was suspect, but on offense, we were always high powered. But what was always the problem? Everybody blamed McCarthy for the play calling. The receivers not getting open. Was it possibly Karen Rodgers can't get receivers the football? Does it? Ma- I, I think there's a reason we never got him a first round pick as a wide receiver because he's worthless. It's worthless. Could you imagine if we picked up a guy like Julio Jones, or we picked up a guy like uh, I, I I don't know, name a, a number one wide receiver. Uh, that we could have drafted during Andrew, Aaron Rodgers' tenure. And tell me that he would have been able to get some of the most freak athletes to the football. The reason he loved Devontae Adams so much is why Devontae Adams isn't a straight-line master. He, he is pretty slow. He wins off the line. So it gives more than enough time for Rodgers to see Devontae, focus in on him, and give him a nice pass. 
But when it comes to what Christian Watson, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, uh, what was his name, Trevor Davis, he just he can't get speedsters the football. I mean, he I was watching multiple games. He can't he can't even hit Jordy Nelson in stride half the time, and that mean we call him White Lightning. I mean, it is it is bad. I got to be honest. Um, first of all, I, I can't back you up with this one because. Um, as I've said many times, my, my memory is trash. And so I'm just relying on, um, wives tales. I tell myself, and all I remember is Aaron Rodgers being perfect up until about 2016 or, or uh, 2015, I think is the first time I felt that he was a actual human being, uh, as opposed to being a superhuman freak. And that was obviously because of a girlfriend he was dating and that was the whole thing. But then you started to see these things rearise. And I don't even know what you're, you're, you're probably not even back that far. So you're probably right. Um, but anyways, all I could think as you were talking, and I'm I'm halfway serious about this because the that whole like entrepreneurial part of my brain is like, dude, this is it. This is this is the money. We gotta do this. This is a thing that we gotta do. And then like the real human being part of me is like, you this is a bad idea because you don't have any time to be doing any more stuff. You can't even handle the stuff that you got on your plate. But I want you to hit me up, Jersey Mike, because what I would like to do is I would like to do film breakdowns with Jersey Mike and we go in the opposite direction. Everybody else wants to be like technical and smart nobody cares nobody cares you know what people want they want jersey mike just swearing about how much how trash this guy is you know why because there's a large void there's seven hundred thousand people doing film breakdown sound and smart you know what we don't have jersey mike this guy's freaking trash freaking throwing it in the dirt you freaking dirt bag that's where you belong in the freaking you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying jersey mike Hit me up, man. If you're interested, we'll see if we can do something. I think that would be freaking hilarious. We'll do video content. I'll try to see how we can do that. We'll pull up some old games, maybe just you just watching YouTube videos. We can't monetize them because we'll be ripping off YouTube videos, but I don't care. I think it'd be entertaining as heck. And um, we'll see if we can make that work because I think that would be freaking hilarious. And it's one of those things, too, where some people want to argue with you, but at the same time, that ain't what this is about. It's just funny. Just relax. I just, I just want to, I want to see it for myself. I might be the only person watching it. I don't know. I think it'd be hilarious. Jersey Mike, our resident film analyst. <laughs> and you just break down tape, man. You know, it'll mostly be Aaron Rodgers, but we'll see. Like it's, it's, it's kind of like me with this podcast. It's whatever I feel like. So if something strikes you, like this guy's trash, film breakdown time. Somebody else is great. Well, we'll probably just avoid that because, let's be honest, it's not as funny. Um, but no, you should hit me up if you're interested, and we'll talk about it because I think it'd be funny. That's what I think. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig. Hey, Craig. Um, listen to your podcast about uh, the cap situation that we're in and how ugly it is. And um, it it sounded like a lot of the blame was going to the Gutekunst, and, and my understanding with the new organization is Russ Ball is responsible for the. I thought about that. I've been I've been kind of ragging on him a little bit. I, I I don't think he's been completely. So well, I'll let you finish. I'll let contracts you finish. and he reports directly to Murphy. I'm sure Gudikins is part of those conversations. Yeah. But isn't this more a Russ Ball issue? You're probably um, right. And if it is, uh, I'm sure you won't be able to answer this question. But I. Um, it feels like this has been going on for a couple of years and he just got renewed, I think, along with, uh, Matt and Goody for another five years. It would seem like Murphy would figure out that this guy is 
not helping us long term um, to to build a dynasty. So just curious your thoughts about that and, and who ultimately is responsible and um you know just uh, any comments you have about why you think we would have uh, extended this guy but it does seem like uh like a pretty pretty big challenge for us go Pat keep up the good work so i obviously don't know this but my assumption would be that uh Russ Ball is the executor that is to say his job is to get it done but I think Gutekunst and and to a to a maybe smaller degree Mark Murphy and you know when when, when you're talking big decisions Matt Lafleur Brian Gutekunst probably to some degree Russ Ball and um, Mark Murphy are all involved like they are all going to be included in this Aaron Rodgers situation Gutekunst is probably in my estimation the final you know he's he's the main driver of that he's the one that makes that official decision. But I don't think Russ Ball is the guy that said, we're going to keep him and here's how we're going to do it. And I also don't think Brian Gutekunst necessarily said, you know, carte blanche, just see if you can make it work. And he comes up with this monstrosity. And then later on, Gutekunst is like, what the heck did you do? I think it's it's much more collaborative, um, which is unfortunate because I think it means that although Russ Ball is sort of the mastermind that came up with this structure, that means he talked to Brian Gutekunst, he talked to Mark Murphy, he talked to, well, he probably didn't talk to Lafleur because it doesn't matter, but he talked to those other guys and he said, look, this is the situation. And he explained it, I'm guessing, very thoroughly and made sure that everybody was okay with the structure of the contract, fully understanding it. And he would have had it signed off on by Brian Gutekunst and um, Mark Murphy. Now, that's still on Russ Ball to a degree, because I think he also has some say in, in things. I mean, he's he's high up there. I'm sure he's, uh, I mean, in fact, they've even mentioned it a few times. How uh, I've always been kind of surprised when they mentioned him in terms of like personnel decisions. But I think he, he is in those conversations. Um, but just like I think Brian is. But but the, the point is, I think the main decision to keep him and at what cost is more of a Brian Gutekunst thing. In other words, I don't think Brian Gutekunst would have said we should keep him but would not have been okay with this structure. I think he sort of sets the level and says we keep him at this at basically at all cost, which isn't necessarily true, but more or less. And and Russ Ball is the one that that works out with David Dunn and and uh, well probably just David Dunn a, a structure that works. And then again, they have to go back and say, is this okay? So he signed off on it just like everybody else did. But the, I guess the point is, I see Gutekunst is setting the level. What level of pain are we willing to endure to bring back Rodgers? How badly, how desperate are we to keep Aaron Rodgers? He sets that level, and I think Russ Ball is the guy that executes that plan. That's the way I see it. That's not to, to take Russ Ball off, off, the, uh, off the hook entirely, because, again, I'm sure he signed off on this as well, but I think he's been given the position he has because of his ability to negotiate contracts. And essentially, he negotiated the contract that I think uh, Brian Gutekunst, I, w- I wouldn't say wanted, but he did what Gutekunst wanted, which is make sure you get Rodgers back in this building and they figured out the structure. Now, listen, here's the other thing to consider. This contract has not really hurt us yet. Um, it hasn't been that big of a deal against the cap. And the assumption is it's going to get ugly down the road. But I want to at least leave some leeway open to the possibility that something changes, something happens, that we can't necessarily foresee. I think this is kind of where I, I try to kind of come down in the middle a little bit. You, you've got um, Ken Ingles, for example, is the the Packers 
salary cap guy, at least as far as Twitter is concerned. He's kind of the self-proclaimed guy that we all turn to to kind of help us make sense of this stuff. And I think, I don't think, I know that he knows the numbers. There's no doubt about it. He knows it inside and out. But I think maybe a potential blind spot is what if things are different? And he's not even saying that he he doesn't know that things can't be different, but he's saying as they are, this is how it is. But I think we take that too too far of, of assuming that it can't change and this is how it has to be without recognizing that they can make some changes. Now, what those changes could be, I don't know, but I at least want to leave the, the leave it open to at least say that so far, we have not seen a lot of pain. The assumption is the pain is coming later, but until it happens, I don't want to necessarily fire or bury anybody because there's still that possibility that by the time we get through this, and I talked to JJ earlier today, and he mentioned how the salary cap spikes and put some dollar figures to it, and I, I applied those numbers to the salary cap. And even though they're still way too high, when you actually see the numbers, you realize it's not that bad. It's it's like 31 this year, 35, I think, next year, um, which it's actually, I think, 41. But if you uh, apply the increase, the expected increase in cap, which we don't know what it is, but the expected increase, it actually comes out to roughly 35. 35 is not that bad. The next year, I think it goes up to 41, I think is what it was. That's where it's going to start to hurt. That's assuming he's still here, which I doubt he will be, but just kind of talking through it. And then the next year, it actually goes down a little bit. I think it's back down to like 35-ish. So, and again, these are all projected numbers. Nobody really knows. Who knows? We get hit by another pandemic or something. I don't know. But um, that's also another variable in all this is the cap isn't what it seems to be today because it's going to go up. And then there's also some potential wiggle room for how things are. So, I don't like the contract because I don't see any way out of this where we don't get punched right in the mouth. Um, but I also understand that so far this has not really been that burdensome, and I want to see how it's all played out. It's the same with like the whole contract thing. Is this a three-year, $50 million contract? Well, yes, it is. Well, we don't know. Let's find out how long he plays, because if he's here for four years, it's not a three-year contract. If he's here for two years, it's not a three-year contract. You know what I mean? It's you got to see how long he plays and then how much money we ended up paying as a result. And if it comes out to three years, 50 million, then that's what it was. If it doesn't, then it isn't. But that's been my whole thing is we won't know until we see it. So um, the, the contract scares me to death. I really don't like it. I don't like anything about it. I don't see any reason to bring him back on these terms, but that's based on my understanding of it. And until the case is closed and the last penny is accounted for, for Aaron Rodgers. um, I'm going to kind of hold off. I'm pretty sure I know this sucks. I'm like 99.9% sure, but let we'll we'll see before we start talking about firing guys, I guess. Hey, Ryan. I uh, just wanted to call in hey, to Garrett. address maybe some rumors or speculations of what's going to happen with the uh, Packers offseason. Let's do it. Um, whether I'm going to retire or we're going to run it back again. Uh, Packernet for uh, calling in. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things where it just depends on if there's a mutual agreement there. Yep. Got um, it. I feel like my calls are MVP level. Yeah. Um, no, they're solid. But uh, it I just depends on the cast that's around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to admit that uh, for most of the season, I called in with a uh, broken dial finger. Wow. Um, struggled through it, uh, sucked it up, uh, but managed to make it through. Maybe some of my calls were offline, but uh, 
of them are right there in the bread basket. And yeah. So it is what it is. So I'm going to take some time off to meditate and reflect, and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. So have a good one, Ryan. Appreciate that. I also think it's hilarious he calls back 15 minutes later after he says he's going to take some time to reflect. But uh, no, no, you've got, uh, you know, you, you listen, I, I, I can't be handed out MVP. I, I should. It would actually be kind of funny, although it would hurt everybody's feelings. But um, I can't just hand you an MVP. we got some great callers. I'll be completely honest. Um, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like running through my head all the callers, and I'm realizing how many people haven't called in a while. Come on, guys. Just know that I'm thinking about you and I miss you. All right? You know who you are. You know who you are. Um, yeah, but that would be kind of funny. You know, we should. Somebody's already recommended doing like an award show. We should do something that would be kind of cool. We'll think of something. We're gonna think of something. I know that wasn't the point of your call, but that's what got my gears turning here. Here's another idea, Ryan. Okay. Maybe you should have uh, an all-pro callers game yeah. where you evaluate. Callers on uh, how fast their speed dial drill is. Yeah, got it. Uh, can they get a hot take in finished mm-hmm. in under forty-five seconds? Okay, that'd be um, a tough one. Hail Mary drill, where can they make a last-dish attempt to score on a call in a desperate plea to make a point? Okay, and on and on. Yeah. So maybe have an. All callers pro day for Packernet, dude. Where you evaluate the callers on their ability. Just a thought for a podcast. You know, what, you know what else we could do for draft season? Packernet caller mock drafts. You know what I mean? I think that'd be pretty dope. Be we we just set it up like uh, I don't know who we would have doing the picking, but we get like four different teams and set it up like dodgeball. You know. Just do, just have people pick like teams of five. I wouldn't want to participate, but I think we could have some fun with it. We could even have the callers call in to make their, uh, make a case for themselves, you know, just as like a final, like if you don't have to, if you want to just leave it be and your body of work is, you know, you're good with the, the calls that you've made, then we'll just leave it alone. But, um, yeah, I think, I think maybe just one final call just to kind of sell yourself as a caller. I dig it. Hey, Ryan, uh, listen to all the talk about Rogers' trade compensation. Yes, and, sir. You know, there's been the speculation that it'll be kind of low. I, I don't see any way we get anything less than a first and a second. I think yeah. two firsts is going to be the minimum, though. I mean, last year, last season for the Rams for their Super Bowl run, they gave up a second-round pick to have Von Miller for what? It was like seven games? Right. Like, his contract was up. They knew he wouldn't be back probably. It's a good point. I mean, they give up. And that's kind of what I was talking about with all the different variables. There's how good do you think they're going to be? How long do you think they're going to play? And how much is it going to cost me? We know the cost is not relatively, uh, it, it's kind of high, but the cap hit isn't high. I don't know how you exactly quantify that. Uh, the, the play, again, we're assuming that they that they believe that you're going to get MVP Rodgers back. Otherwise, I don't think you do the deal necessarily. Um, but then there is that that other second variable of, you're only getting them for a, for one year. What is it worth? Well, as you pointed out, seven games or whatever it was for Von Miller was worth a second. And as great as Von Miller is, was, and has been, he's not a quarterback, and you cannot expect ever, I don't care what pass rusher it is, there is no way that you expect uh, a great ver- version of Von Miller to be as impactful 
as MVP or something close to it, Aaron Rodgers. Especially when you're talking about presumably a full year as opposed to a half a year. So if the baseline for a top-tier pass rusher for a half a season is... And, and again, the the um, how much they had to pay factors into that, and I don't know, and I'm not going to look it up. But still, uh, again, you, you want a $16 million cap hit for Rodgers? And, and again, I don't know how much the, the extra money in the next couple of years is going to impact that, but I just, I, I don't know. I'm leaning toward it maybe being uh, worth a little bit more than I initially thought. Pick around picks for that. That's for not even all season, you know. Uh, and I mean, you got you got wide receivers. Granted, they're not. I get it. They're not old. Got the contract stuff like that. But like you said, I think Packers have to eat most of the contract either way. So not that bad on the new team. But I mean, you got receivers going for two first and more. And granted, they're younger. But I don't know. Just there has been Von Miller's the one top of my mind. But I know there's been other trades where. Um, you know, you, you're only for sure getting a year, and then you got to try to work out an extension. Uh, I think Genevieve and Clowney maybe when he went somewhere, when he got traded to Seahawks maybe. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just – I I don't – it only takes two teams to be interested, and I think that would easily be the case. Um, and I think, we, I think we get the two first, honestly. So um, I'm honestly thinking more and more that's what it's going to be. I'm also, when, when he got the extension, I didn't look at it too close, and I was like, oh, nice, we have Rodgers now. But now that hearing all the talk about the cap implications and everything and how much we're going to be on the hook for, I mean, it, I, I don't understand. I don't, I guess I don't remember. Did, did he sign this extension before COVID happened? Uh, see that nice COVID label that you haven't had in a while there. But um, anyway, because I know the thought was, you know, these new TV deals and everything, Revenue was supposed to spike tremendously, and then COVID kind of set it back. So was this deal signed expecting the cap to be higher by now without the COVID setback? Because it definitely would have been, you know, probably be $20 million higher than it is, um, at least. So I don't know. If it was after COVID, then it's even more dumb. I can understand it a little more if it was before, because um, then obviously the cap dropped and, you know, still catching up there. So uh, anyway, go back up. Well, I think the benefit of it is even even post COVID, the 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 way that it's going to be is I think it was something like you got two years of restricted um, salary cap and then it explodes, and so a lot of contracts are set up that way where you see this kind of two low years and then this boom like holy cow how can we even afford this kind of thing? Because again we're, we're looking at it through the lens of 2022 or 2023 or whatever eyes of how much the salary cap is, not realizing that that's just a completely different number that year than it would be this year. Because what really matters isn't the number, it's the percentage of the cap. That's what's most important. You know, I mean, um, Brett Favre, when he got his big $10 million a year deal, that was a massive thing. And that was, again, it was like, how in the world can you afford that? Like, he's going to break the bank. Well, it was only, I don't know, 10% of the cap or whatever it was um, at the time. And now you look at it and say, well, that's nothing. But, you know, if you apply the 10% to today, it's it's, it's still fine. There's nothing wrong with 10% to a quarterback. But the point is, it's a different number. It doesn't matter what the number is. It matters what the percentage is. Because 100% is always going to be 100%. That's what matters. So um, that's going to be the biggest question. And that's why when I looked at Aaron Rodgers' contract and how burdensome it was, I used percentages. I looked at what the percentage is going to be based on whatever, and you go, it goes up to like 17%, and then it goes up to... So it does become like, holy cow, I can't even... It gets kind of ridiculous, right? 
Um, but, but no, I, I, I do think, because again, it, it's not based on what I would do. It's based on what makes the most sense. And I think that there are a lot of really dumb GMs and maybe it's not dumb. Maybe it's brilliant to bring on Aaron Rodgers for a year and go win a Super Bowl. I don't know. We'll find out after the fact. I mean, the Rams are idiots. There's no doubt about it, but then they won a Super Bowl. So how can you call them idiots anymore? I mean, everything they did was wrong, but they won. So you can't say they're wrong. You know, it's like if, if I told you that you had to shoot a target that was like three feet away and you could choose between a shotgun and a handgun and you pick up the handgun and some other guy picks up the shotgun, I'd look at you and say, you're wrong and you're stupid. Now, it's possible the guy with the shotgun misses and you hit and you're the winner, but it was still stupid of you to pick up the handgun. You should have picked up the shotgun. Same thing with the Rams. You guys are idiots. You got it. You won. Congratulations. But you're idiots. And so the bottom line is what I'm depending on is teams doing things that I look at like happens every single offseason and say, why would you do that? I mean, we said that when the Rams and the Lions made a trade. Like, what are you doing? We said that when, I mean, look at the Texans when they were trading everybody off and getting all these these players sent off for pennies and everything else. It's like, why do you guys are stupid? It's a fire. like it. There's always stuff every season. It's like, I cannot believe that person got traded for that amount. And um, when you look at it through that lens and some of the trades that have happened and how much compensation there is, and then you look at Rodgers and you're like, the guy won back-to-back MVPs just two years ago, two and three years ago, and is a quarterback and is here even just for a year and is going to cost like $16 million against your cap this year. I uh, is it is it really that crazy you get two first round picks? Is it is it crazy that you get two firsts and a second and a third? You know, I mean, it, when you look back on it, it's like I, maybe maybe that is a thing. So I could see a first and a second. I could see two firsts. I could see a two firsts and then some. I didn't see that initially because I thought it's it's one year. The guy's play fell off and you know whatever. But when you really boil it down, it does start to feel like there's there's going to be a lot of compensation here. The Packers are not going to give this up for cheap. What that means, I don't know. I mean, it's all going to come down to how much interest there is and how wild teams want to get. I mean, it kind of comes down to a depends on the year. You know, some years teams need more quarterbacks, and some years you're going to have just that right fit and teams with the right amount of compensation and the right GM with that whacked out mentality. And other years, there's just not many options and teams not willing to be that reckless, and it just isn't going to work out. So we'll just have to see how it goes. But I, I certainly could see a situation where the, the price is much higher than I would have anticipated. I don't really see it being too much lower. In other words, less than a first. I don't really see that happening. I think just from the sake of saving face, Brian Gutekunst would not be able to show his face anymore if you traded away the great Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers for a second-round pick. That may happen, but I just it just feels unlikely. Anyways, um, I think we'll leave it at that. We got one more call, but I'm always paranoid that we won't have enough calls later, so... Uh, Trevor, we will get to your next call tomorrow. You guys have a great night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.